Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Are you a lifelong fan of General Hospital? Are you a new fan who wants to know more about the history of the show? Do you enjoy talking about the show with others? Do you find yourself yelling at the TV? Is your self-care an hour a day in Port Charles? If so, we invite you to join hosts Amanda Kimmel and Shannon Coach at the place where all the hidden conversations take place and secrets are revealed. Meet us at Pier 54, a General Hospital fan podcast. Hello! Hi! Welcome to the Port Charles 411. Today we are having a fan spotlight with Rob Rosulio. I feel like I'm his fan now. Um, I feel like we made a new friend. We say this all the time. And that's the other thing, though. Everyone that we've talked to is really so different. It's it's such a great thing to realize how many different backgrounds and experiences, but all of us share GH. Yep. It's like Coke. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. (laughs) Because Coca-Cola brings everyone together. Coca-Cola. Okay, you did not say Coca-Cola at first. Well, because like, I'd like to give the whoa. world a Coke. They don't say Coca-Cola. All right, all right. Thank you for um, clarifying what you meant. Most people probably knew what I was talking about. Then Amanda's thinking I'm just making up songs about Coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo. But no, he was so sweet. Feels so bad that it took so long for us to I connect. I didn't realize that it was August. He said it was worth the wait at the end. So yes, you can listen and figure out how awesome it was. Yeah. So enjoy our chat with Rob. Why, hello there. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm there good. You go. There we are. Awesome. Oh, we're so excited to talk to you. It's, I didn't realize you wrote in in August of last year. I'm so sorry it took us so long to get to That's this. Like, you guys are busy. I mean, I listen every week, multiple <laughs> times, so I know that you got a lot going on. <laughs> well, and then sometimes they just throw in storylines that take weeks for us to do the yeah, recaps I mean, of. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm Shannon. I'm Amanda. 
Hello, Shannon and Amanda. I am Rob. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Do you happen to remember what you wrote in? Oh, absolutely. Okay, um, I was because I actually printed it off, and I was like, we should probably start re- reading what people wrote in because uh, uh, your story is awesome. Yes. So, um, my name is Rob. I live outside Philadelphia. I live north of Philly in Bucks County, which some say was the inspiration for another soap opera location, which was Pine Valley mm-hmm. for all my children. But that's another story for another podcast, I guess. <laughs> um, so I uh, grew up in South Jersey. I've lived in this area growing up. Um, I've lived in New York. I lived on Cape Cod. Um, but I always come back to the Philly area. And I I started watching soap operas when I was, I guess, like a tween. My mom was a huge Dark Shadows fan, which was the 1960s gothic vampire Barnabas mm-hmm. Collins, only soap opera during the day she ever watched. And they reran it from the very beginning on one of our local cable networks. And when my mom saw it, she was like, oh, my God, we have to watch this. So every day at 630, Monday through Friday, we were glued to the TV and finding out the story of Barnabas Collins and Victoria Winters and Maggie and Josette and Angelique, the witch. And so that was my entree into daytime soaps. My mom was a huge nighttime soap fan in the 1980s, Dallas Dynasty, Falcon Crest. Um, I was... (laughs) I was probably the only 13-year-old that could say Alexis Carrington, Col- Alexis Morell Carrington, Colby Dexter Rowan, oh and get all the names. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I watched them with my mom. I watched Dallas Dynasty and Fountain Crest with my mom, and I was hooked. Mm-hmm. I loved the stories. They were so over the top. Um, I was an avid reader growing up, so I loved books. I loved mysteries especially, and any good soap opera, in addition to all of the, the craziness, usually has a good mystery thrown in there for good measure. Absolutely. So um, I found daytime soap operas on my own when I was in high school. And it's funny, I've heard you guys say that the summer storylines are really important for younger audiences because that's when I keyed in one summer, it was Days of Our Lives. The next summer, it was Young and the Restless. Mm. I actually saw the very first episode of Bold and the Beautiful when it was um, paired up with Young and the Restless. And I vividly remember that because I remember thinking, oh, my God, it's the first episode of a soap opera. This is kind of cool. And then I watched that half hour episode. I'm like, this is wild. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. So then I got to college and I kind of dropped off because it was before the DVR, you know, DVRs were a thing and it wasn't as easy. But people in my dorm loved the ABC soaps. They mm-hmm. loved, you know, Loving and Ryan's Hope, as well as the big ones, General Hospital, All My Children and One Life to Live. I still managed to resist watching any of the ABC soaps. <laughs> so when I dated in the 90s, he was a huge um all my children and one life to live avid. So I'm like, okay, I will watch it. I kind of <laughs> became hooked. And that's how I met characters like Anna Devane. And I'm like, Oh, Fanola Hughes is really cool as an actress. And I went to school for theater. So the acting side of it and the storytelling side of it, both as a playwright and as an actor, I loved. Mm-hmm. So um, again, completely resisted the general hospital. For some reason, it just never caught with me. And I knew the Luke and Lara. I knew the Stone and Robin storylines. And I thought it was so cool that daytime soaps, especially general hospital, always hit these big topics. Mm-hmm. So I, I watched Melrose Place. I watched Desperate Housewives. I watched, I tuned back in to the ABC soaps when they started going off the air. And I thought that was a huge loss because a lot of these shows had like really big histories, like Guiding Light went all the way back to the radio days. And yeah. so, that was the first one, wasn't it? Guiding Light was the first 
It was. Yeah. 1937, it went on the air as The Guiding Light. Mm -hmm. And then for four years, it actually ran simultaneously on the radio and on television. And then they that. finally cut the radio broadcast part of it. And it was in 1975, I think, that they dropped the word the from the title. It just became Guiding Light. Hmm. Okay. I That's know really all interesting. this. I want to know what the audience was. So, I mean, we're kind of facing a similar thing right now with, you know, we've talked a lot about getting it on streaming, getting SoapNet, yeah. you know, I mean, days just went exclusively online. They're not on, but it's interesting because the Guiding Light moved from, I do call it the guiding light. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, cause that, that must, I mean, I'm not old enough to remember when yeah. it was, but that's what you just called it. Anyway. Um, I want to know what their listenership, their audience, how that affected it because people probably were like, I'm not going to watch it on TV. I'm only want to listen to it online and that, or listen to it on the radio. And then they had to make the shift. Did they? Yeah. That's the thing. Did they, you know, they I stayed think for so long. I think that the same question would be all the Days fans who had to make the shift from NBC to Peacock. Did yeah. they follow it or did they abandon it? And, you know, like, God forbid that were to happen to General Hospital and it were to go on like some streaming service. Of course, I would follow it. I'm mm -hmm, way yeah. too into it now. Yeah. So um, I had re it was literally the one soap that I had not watched that and maybe like Guiding Light. I had never gotten into. So pandemic rolls around and I am. Um, the first time ever in my life, I had to go to the hospital. I, growing up, and to this day, I'm very susceptible to mosquito bites. Not like anaphylactic, I need a shot the way a bee sting is. But I, if there is a mosquito in the tri-state area, it will find me and it will bite me like 12 times. Oh. So I, even as a child, my grandmother used to marvel. She's like, I've never seen a child with so many mosquito bites. I'm like, well, oh, that's me. <laughs> so I got one on my knee in the summer of 2020 at the height of the pandemic and it was bad and I scratched it and it broke and, and then it got infected. And so I had to go to the hospital and I was nervous because I had never been in the hospital before and it was during the pandemic. And so there were real strict rules. My husband, if he came to visit me, he would only be allowed in once he couldn't leave and come back. So it was very isolating. So I was admitted on a Thursday night, Friday, I'm sitting there and you know, the hospital TVs have like, 10 channels and right. they're not the best so i'm watching the news and i'm watching the cooking shows afterwards and all they kept advertising was the nurse's ball the nurse's ball the explosive nurse's ball don't miss the nurse's ball and i'm like i'm literally sitting in my bed hooked up to an iv and i'm like <laughs> i guess i'm gonna watch the nurse's ball <laughs> on general hospital as i lay here in the hospital i'm like how's that for irony so the show starts my husband comes in like 10 minutes before the episode is over. And I'm like, no, no, no. He's like, what? Because I can't stop it. I, it's not DVR and I can't pause it. I'm like, stop. I'm like, he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, I'll tell you after. He's like, are you watching General Hospital in the hospital? I'm like, yes. So episode ends and it was the episode. And I guess this is a good episode. To, I will always remember it was a good episode to come in. It was when Nell slashed Brooklyn's throat backstage it was when wiley got kidnapped by um, julian it was when all this stuff was happening and i was like well the advertising lived up to it because now i'm hooked after one episode and when the episode ended he's like what are you doing now i'm like i'm setting the dvr at home for general hospital starting monday he's like are you serious i'm like yes i'm serious i need to find out what happened to brooklyn and to baby wiley and he's like oh my god <laughs> 
So then there for a while um, in that fall, I was teaching a lot virtually because I was a college professor at the time teaching theater and I've taught film history as well. And um, if you couldn't tell me geeking out on TV history. And uh, <laughs> so I... I fell behind. And so our DVR had like 45 episodes at General Hospital at one point. And so I was watching it like at Christmas time and they were just doing the Halloween episodes. And, you know, my husband, you know, ever so often he'll walk into the bedroom where where I'm watching it on the TV and he'll say, oh, I heard the General Hospital has been canceled. I'm like, you say that one more time and that is grounds for divorce. I'm like, period. (laughs) I'm like, that's not even funny. That's not even funny. So I um, I immediately got hooked. And somewhere in the fall of 2020 and the winter of 21, you know, the algorithm on social media must be working because I probably was Googling Porter Main History or Corinthos General Hospital. And the algorithm, I think, on Instagram picked that up. And you were one of the recommended sites for me to go and see. So I, I found you guys. I, I liked you on Spotify. And then I just started listening. And what was really helpful for a newcomer like me was getting all the backstories of all the things. So I was with you through that 3000 part Alan Quartermain. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering if that's the one that picked up because you're like Quartermain history. I'm like, it was Alan. <laughs> no, I came in before Alan Quartermain. Okay. I forget what it was, but I would go back and I would look up some of your old podcasts and I would listen to some of the interviews with cast members and the fan spotlight and um, definitely the histories. And even as recently as um, doing the um, Sam and Alexis relationship, it seems like a really simple thing, but as you guys pointed out, there's a lot there. And there's a lot of other stories that are connected to it. Mm -hmm. But if you're new and you see that dynamic, you're like, oh, I wonder if it's always been that way. And, you know, no, it hasn't. No. (laughs) Yeah. And definitely try to watch that on YouTube while you can, if it's still there. I heard. I'm kind of questioning, like, I I feel like maybe we should take them out of the show notes so that anyone listens to our podcast can't just, like, go click and be like, bye-bye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because, like, we're advertising them because, like, the cartel is completely gone now. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's because of us. Yeah. But were we also just one more place that someone, if they were really looking for it, could find it? Because we want to give people the credit. But then I'm like, I don't want... To also be the reason why someone, I'm giving us a lot of credit right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, all the times that you have mentioned things that if the writers are listening and then I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like, wait a minute. Wasn't right? that on the podcast? Wasn't that <laughs> briefly suggested on the podcast? Yeah. So they must, somebody must be listening to it. And if it's not influencing, at least in the writer's room, I'm sure they're like, you know, talking about it. I don't think that it's anyone. I couldn't imagine it being anyone at ABC at this point, because those YouTube channels have been up for years. Right. You know, why all of a sudden are they being taken down? I don't know. I mean, some of it, I I would say some of it may have to do with the writer's strike, because if you think about it, you know, there there's a lot that's probably going on behind the scenes with the writer's union that we are not aware of as the general public. Sure. Yeah. And um, they're trying to protect the rights of the writers. And I say that as a writer who very often they expect you to give your writing away for free. And mm-hmm. it's like any other art form. There's a value to it. And so I could understand from a writing perspective why they may have been yanking things. But it seems very random. If you're going to do it, do it to all of them or none of them. You know, right. so I don't like know. the House of Cassidine is completely gone. <sighs> and that's just yeah. devastating. Yeah, they were so good. Oh. 
Yeah. So uh, I had mentioned that I'm, I also playwright. I'm a playwright as well. Yeah. And so when I was living in New York about 10, 15 years ago, a friend of mine, she was, we met through one of the off-Broadway theaters and we became friends and she directed a couple of things that I had written workshops and the such and readings. And one day she tells me, do you know where I work? I'm like, no. And she said, I'm a writer for one life to live. And I'm like, I had known her for like almost a whole year. And I'm like, Oh my God. And so she directed a lot of my stuff and we worked really well together. She's West coast based now, but, um, Oh my God, she's such an amazing director and a great writer. And she has such a respect for writers. So it's always great working with a director who has that respect. But I remember one day saying to her, um, and this is after she had done a couple of my shows, I, I said, you know, I said her name and I said, I've always wanted to write, when I was little, I always wanted to write for soap operas. And she puts her hand on mine and she goes, honey, I can tell. Because <laughs> my writing often has a mystery or a twist to it. Mm -hmm. you know? And because that's what I like. That's what I like to see. And that's what I like to write about. So, um, yeah, soap operas have been a big part of my life, daytime and nighttime, probably for as long as I can remember. Yeah, because I'm just reading. We actually printed off what you wrote in and you said that uh, your plays are always riddled with family secrets, well-placed flashbacks and a very strong female character. Yeah. So my um, one of my friends who has done a couple of my plays, she very casually one day said in front of a group of people, you know, it's not a Rob Grisello play unless there's a the entire second act is a flashback. And I'm like, <laughs> fair. That is fair. <laughs> but like I, I just had a um, I just had a play go up last uh January of 22 and it's it was centered around this family and this long held secret and what happens is what happens if you don't know the full story what happens if you only know part of the story and when the rest of it comes out it totally shifts your perspective on everything mm -hmm. um, this fall in Philadelphia I have a show called um, it's getting its, its stage premiere called the Broken Hollow Banshee and it's the ghost story of a woman in 1955 who inherits an estate and that estate is haunted by a banshee that has chased this family for centuries. And that's how I know about the history of Guiding Light. This, this play was originally written as a radio drama in four parts, and it was done um, over the course of a month back in the fall of 21. And now it's being adapted for the stage. So I did a deep dive into the research of soap operas and radio soap operas. So that's how I knew all those facts about Guiding Light. That is so cool. Isn't it funny how like things kind of came full circle that now we're back to doing a different type of radio, but it's yes. still, there was just one that I was listening to. It was John Hamm and, but it was like a series podcast. It was like a um, detective type. Oh, the name is escaping me and I cannot think of what it is, but it's, it's like that, but I could see it becoming mm -hmm a Netflix miniseries or something like yeah. that, you know, or a play adaptation. Yeah. And we were, we were surprised the, the whole way that came about during the pandemic was, you know, no theaters were open. There was no live performance. Artists were really itching to do things. And this theater, these theater folk that I know in the Philly area, we had seen a lot of bad, like Broadway people doing like zoom readings and zoom concerts. And we're like, Oh, this is so bad. Cause even, you know, you have Audrey McDonald there with, with Meryl Streep and neither one of them has the same lighting or background. And you're like, Ugh, even Meryl can't get it together for a Zoom <laughs> What are we supposed to do? So we decided to eliminate the visual and go with an old fashioned radio thing. And so yeah. this theater company that I work with called R5 Productions, um, 
got its start in July of uh, 2020. And since then, we've done 13 productions. Uh, four of them have been original works of mine. And um, some of them were full lengths as a full length. And then like Broken Hollow Banshee was written as a four part serial. And every episode had a name. Every episode had a cliffhanger at the end. So all of those years of watching soap operas finally came in handy. <laughs> You can learn things from soaps. You absolutely can. So are we able to find those online or is it just like on a website? R5 Productions and that um, it has its own YouTube channel with all of the material on it. And then there is also the same thing, R5 Productions website. Um, You get a link to all of the archive shows. Cool. Yes. We'll put that in the show notes and it hopefully won't get taken down because you guys have the rights. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So, yeah. So, um, uh general hospital i would I, it was funny i was trying to think of what would i talk about and once i got done talking about me and like what got me here as far as the show goes um my favorite character when i grow up i want to be ava jerome um <laughs> there are clips that ava especially when she's with nicholas um before he disappeared there were clips that i would just like record on my phone and i would send to a friend of mine and be like this is who i want to be when i grow up my favorite i think was when um she had Esme cornered with Nicholas and Esme said something about Kiki and Avery and Ava got right up in her face and said, um, you, I want you to keep my daughter's names out of your mouth or you will regret the day you first drew breath. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there she is. Yeah. <laughs> She's there she very is. classic. Yes. yes. Very, very classic. And Mara West, I think she would be one of the people that if I met in real life, I probably would geek out a little bit because mm-hmm. she's just, she's so as an actor, um, skilled at the subtle and isn't afraid to be a little over the top. And then she can pull it in. And then I've watched, I've watched the Kiki clips. Like when she had to go like that clip, when she had to go identify Kiki, mm-hmm. I watched that once and I was like, I know, I know. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that was amazing. And she did not win an award for that. No. Just like yeah. Willow didn't win one when she found out about her baby. Yeah. I mean, I okay, so I've never really watched any other soaps. I'm sure those other people did great, but how did they top some of the things that people know. have not yeah. won for? You right. know, it's like, mm-mm. Yeah. That was heartbreaking. Yeah, watching Ava... But yes, um, so Ava is, I would have to say, I mean, I have, I have others that I really like, but Ava, hands down, is like my my favorite. Um, again, strong woman, um, independent woman, has amazing flaws, and but still, like, you root for Ava, mm-hmm. hands down. Like, I'm always pulling for Ava. Um, my favorite couple is um, uh, Spencer and Trina. Like, I... So... I have two episodes that I saved on my DVR, um, uh, Epiphany's Funeral, which I thought was really amazing. <sighs> and when they got off the island, uh, when they got out of Greenland, that moment when Trina realizes that Spencer is alive and she ran to him and jumped. And I know the word iconic is used all the time now, but in my opinion, that is an iconic general hospital moment that for as long as the show lives and beyond that mm-hmm. moment should become like one. It's like the Luke and Laura walking out from the church moment. Those other, the stone and Robin moments, you know, I think that's right up there with that. Just that jump in his arms. I was like, Oh, that would be yes. such a good poll to do. Yes. Because you're right. I mean, and so 
Robin running to Anna after she like during the Asian quarter storyline, that's another one that gets replayed all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, I like the one that. where Elizabeth Taylor curses Luke and Laura. I've seen right? that like a bazillion times and I'm a huge Elizabeth Taylor fan. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it was funny, even when the Elizabeth Taylor was on it, I'm like, okay, it can't be horrible if Elizabeth Taylor was on it. Cause she you know, I asked to be on it. Right? I was like, can you please put me on the show? Yeah. And now we have Helena. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, all right. So since you broached the name of Helena, all I keep thinking every time Helena's name comes up, her ghost comes back. I'm like, could somebody please look at that flash drive and see <laughs> on the end of it? Laura, come on. You, I know there's a night where you're not doing anything. And there's nothing <laughs> on TV. Just pop that puppy on a computer so we can maybe see what nobody bothered to look at. Yes. <laughs> yes. I absolutely agree. <laughs> Yeah. Every so often I'm like, well, what about the flash drive? I'm like, but what about the flash drive? Well, now hold it. But if it was on the haunted star, did we, did anyone, if, if they didn't take it out of the TV, I, that felt like old school, like elementary school when they would wheel in the cart with the TV on it. Yep. But if they didn't take that off the haunted star, it now went boom. Well, I would imagine Laura would still have it. I, and that's what I would like to imagine is that Laura took it out or someone gave it to Laura and it's like in the bottom of a purse somewhere. Should be looking for keys or something or a phone and be like, oh, what's this? Oh, oh, that's what I forgot to watch. You know. Oh, they should have it in the desk drawer and have Esme find it and watch it. And there'd be some big secret there that Esme can use to get them off her back. Or that's the moment that we see the real Esme come back. Because I'm waiting. Oh, for yeah. That. I am Ooh. waiting for that moment when the real Esme comes back and to see that that look. There we go. Yeah. I don't know if I'm looking forward to that. I I just it feel bad for her at this point, enough. though. I know it has to happen. I would just feel really bad. I almost, and I'm not saying I do, but I almost kind of like the character. Now, it's almost like it is two different characters. Mm-hmm. It almost is like it's two different characters. Um, I also find it interesting the number of twins that are on General Hospital over the years. <laughs> like, when you really think about it, I know that's a trope for... Soap operas. I've used it in my plays, like the play that I had just cited, Vernal Rights. There's one brother in that, and then the, the the companion piece has the other brother in it. But you don't okay. see them at the same time, but you get both of their stories. So I've always been fascinated with twins, and uh, General Hospital has not disappointed in the number of twins that constantly pop up: Willow and Nell, yes. Alex and Anna, you know, um, Drew and Jason. Drew and Jason, um, Ryan Chamberlain. Yes, that's my favorite. That's a good one. Yeah. Who else? But why never triplets? I I actually thought, well, first of all, I thought that Esme was going to have a twin. I was waiting for Mm. that. I was waiting for that to to come out that they're, you know, for Esme to have a, a twin and that we're seeing the good twin and that the real Esme is still out there. Um, I also thought there would be a hot moment when the the whole Willow thing happened, when you realized it was Willow, that there would be a triplet involved. Mm -hmm. Although I think you guys even said on one of your podcasts, it's a little much to think that Nina was carrying twins and didn't know it. And then to have like a third. Mm -hmm. And we already went down the path of Sasha not being her daughter. So I can't imagine who would be left on the show in the right time and age. That could be a triplet. Yeah. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And the, one of my other favorite characters is Brooklyn. I mean, I, I love that she sometimes just cannot get out of her own way. I love how, you know, forward she is. Um, my introduction to Brooklyn, though, was her replacement, her long-term replacement, when um, the actress who plays Brooklyn was out, I guess, on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. So I was introduced to the long-term replacement all the way through, I think, November of 20, when the last time we saw her, she thought she was pregnant. And she yeah. was leaving town. So then when the new one came back, I'm like, who is this? And I was like, that's the real thing. Okay. And her and Chase, I, I, I hear your frustration every time you guys are like, just get together. And now yeah. they finally are. I'm like, please keep them together. Please keep them together. Because they have um, staying power if they do it the right way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, have, they definitely have that like power couple. Um, possibility the same way that Spencer and Trina do. Um, I think Brando and Sasha had that power. Yeah. Perfect. I know. But I think if they keep going in the direction with Cody, I never, I mean, I love me. uh, We'll talk about this in a minute. I love me some Britt Westbourne too. And I thought they were an interesting pairing, but I think he's a a sweeter pairing with Sasha. Mm, Yeah. than um, like him and Britt. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that they have the potential for it. Um, Willow and Michael. I mean, they're great actors. I will say that the two of them are great actors, but I don't know that the characters have longevity together. Totally agree. Yep. You know, so. Yeah. Well, so you wouldn't have. Oh, I just throw my pen at myself. Sorry. <laughs> you would have come in then after. So when Willow was first introduced, she was a teacher. Yes. And. Michael went to speak to her class and Chase went to speak to her class and brought the dog. And you kind of saw Michael or no, Chase went to see her, but then Michael saw her at the hospital for the grief support. I think it was. And you saw kind of both of them getting into her, but then Chase asked her out and they were great together, you know, and I'm just not seeing the the, the love. Yeah, Chase with anybody at this point would be <laughs> yes. like Chase with Sasha. I'm like, oh, I don't think so, but I wouldn't be mad at it. You know, right, yeah. Chase with Brooklyn is my top choice. But even Chase and Willow, I was like, they do make a good couple. Mm-hmm. So they were just really good together. Yeah, like, and we saw them do things. What are your thoughts of Joss and Dex? I think they're better paired than her and Cam. The actor who plays Cam is so subtle and so emotional. And I think he's, he was good for Jocelyn, but I think 
as the characters grow, you could see them growing apart. And it was just a matter of time. And it's unfortunate for the characters that it happened the way it did. I think Dex and Jocelyn are adjacent and Carly. Mm-hmm. And there are times, again, like you say in your intro, when you yell at the television, there are times when I'm watching the two of them together. I'm like, you are your mother's daughter. You are your mother's daughter. You are your mother's daughter. Um, and I hope that Cam does, the actor who plays Cam, it sounded like he was coming back for the summer. So I do hope we see him reemerge and maybe find somebody for him. Because I think the actor's great. I think, the you know, he's a... I guess you you consider him a, like a legacy character. So I don't know that he's going to go away. It would just be nice to see him with somebody. The idea of pairing him with Esme was interesting. Like that flirtation as he was sort of leaving of him being the nice guy to the one that nobody liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an interesting. And I, I wonder now when he comes back and it's still good Esme versus evil Esme, what could happen with that? Because, you know, he was the only person that really showed her kindness right? Yeah, um, for a while. So it would be interesting to see what develops there if she remains good Esme. It's a good point because now, especially where Portia's going after her, right? Yeah. You know, huh. That could and I love Portia too. Portia can't get out of her own way, but I, <laughs> the actress that plays Portia is so incredibly emotional and so passionate. And I, be, I never for a second doubt that that the girl that plays um, uh, Trina, it, it, I believe that they're mother and daughter. There's never yes. a second that I doubt because she shows so much affection and genuine, like a tortured mom. But mm-hmm. Portia cannot get out of her own way. Oh, and that, but that's the basis of all so good soaps. Just like, and I know you guys, how you guys feel about her. Nina cannot get out of her own way either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, here's I was thinking about this today because I always laugh when you bring up Nina because there are times when I'm watching Nina, I'm like, oh man, you step out of one hole and you put your foot right into another one. Um, unlike other villains like um, a Peter August or a um, you know some of the other like a Victor who they're just evil. You know, Nina has a lot of flaws. I don't think that Nina's evil. I just think she literally can't get out of her own way. And, you know, and she constantly is putting her foot in her mouth one day after another, after another situation, like this whole thing with Carly and the SEC with Drew. And I'm like, you were just about to get on someone's good graces. And then now this, Mm -hmm. and it, it just keeps compounding because now, you know, Sonny might take the fall for what has happened. And, you know, it, and it's if she had known fault. that, she would never have put the, that, that wheel into motion. But that's what makes soap uppers soap uppers. Exactly. Yep. That's going to be a very interesting explosion when that happens. I just don't want him and Carly to get back together again over this. I don't know. Over do, this. You, do you think they will? I just, I think people sometimes say it because. He and because that's what happens. That's the pattern. One of them is with someone, something dramatic happens, and then they want find up, find their way back to each other. Especially since they keep talking about, I would never do that to him. I would never right. do that to her. They're just reiterating those feelings that they can't have for anyone else. Right. I could see him walking away from Nina quicker than I could see her walking away from Drew, unless Drew said something, did something really dire with mm-hmm, the SEC right. that really. You know, and then, you know, then there's the idea that Jason is still floating around out there somewhere because, you know, you, the two of you and I and everyone probably listening to this know 
Jason Morgan is not dead in some town hall in the Greek islands. He is right. somewhere waiting for some pivotal moment to return, just like I'm waiting for Lulu to show up while Sam and Dante are getting lovey-dovey one day by the pool. Oh, he mentioned something about that this week, about how when he came back from the WSB, he had nobody or something like that. And I'm like, oh, this man did. He yeah. divorced her. You yeah. know, like, you divorced her. She was heartbroken, but she went along with it. For you. Only for you. Like, right. she struggled with that so yeah, badly. Yeah. yeah. We didn't talk about So we just finished the recap. We didn't talk about okay. that. He asked Sam for help with the stuff, too. Right. Yeah, so my it, first six months. Hanging out. Like, can you believe they thought we died that way? <laughs> I know. <laughs> My first six months had the floating rib exploding um, Brooklyn and the nurse's ball. So that was all in my first six months of watching the show. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good time. Well, and that, it was. that episode that you watched was, was that the last new episode we had before we were in reruns? It was one of the last, if not the last. Which one? The one where her neck was slashed. I think oh, I don't know. That was the last new episode that we had before the pandemic. Um, Oh, okay. Start watching all the. It might have been because what happened was I watched that first episode in the hospital. Then I DVR'd a bunch, and so I had this backlog. So I might have started looking at some of them and be like, "These are reruns. These aren't picking up." I, I might have found where the one picked up eventually, mm-hmm. um, which makes me wonder. And I know you guys had talked about it. I think last week where they are right now with their stockpile as far mm-hmm. as episodes. I would, I would love to, I don't know. I don't know that. <laughs> no, I would love to know as well because I'm like, I'm trying to do the math. I'm like, okay, when did the writer's strike start? When did, how long, how many episodes have we seen? You know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I thought you were going to so, have some like insider info of how writing no, works that way. Nope. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. No, I think it was the beginning. It was the beginning of May. I think it was either the second or the third is the day that. So we're like six weeks in. Yep, we are. And I do like, I mean, you had mentioned, I do like the idea of cutting it to four days a week to maybe like slow the roll a little bit. And I don't know how you or all are affected out there, but it seems like every time someone in Washington sneezes, um, there's a preempt. Yep. And I, I DVR it from, from ABC. And there have been many days where I'm like, I, I need to go to Hulu anyway to watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll get like 20 minutes into the episode and they're like, they'll do that special news countdown. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah we literally just talked about that because we have so many different ways to get information now there is zero reason unless it's a national emergency right yeah that you know like the pandemic that was a good reason for it to be preempted and everything yes yes but, but there was one one day where it was like somebody was being someone was coming out of a courthouse and to make a statement and it was like i'm like i I could tune in an hour from now and watch that on the news if I wanted to. Right. Yeah. I think so. they preempted when Queen Elizabeth died. And that's, that's, that's a I get that historic one. Historic yeah. moment. You know, that's. Um, I'm very interested to now begin maybe to explore. Um, was it Port Charles or Night Shift? You said that the first season is out and available to watch. Was it Night Shift? Report Charles is on DVD, and I found season two on YouTube. And I hope now they didn't take I'm that down to check to see if it's oh. still there. Yeah, Night Shift One was on DVD that you can buy off of eBay for like five dollars. Oh, okay, but I don't think that they ever put number two out as a DVD set. 
See, I agree with you guys. I don't know why with everything that's on Disney Plus and, you know, you can go on Hulu and watch past seasons of all the shows that were on ABC. Right. Nashville and Abbott Elementary and Blackish, which I loved. Mm -hmm. Um, So why can't you, why won't they just put up all of Night Shift or all of Port Charles? Yeah. Binge. And wasn't Night Shift the one that had the vampire storylines and and that? That was Port Charles. That was Port Charles. See, I yeah. think I would have liked that because it would have been a nod back to my old Dark Shadows days because I, I did love that. And I, I also love on the show, and this this goes back to my like soap opera watching, when they bring a character back that's not been on for a while. And it might be someone like when when Heather Weber came on. I did not know who Heather Weber was. Robin Matson. No, I didn't. So when Heather Weber came on and I saw Olivia's reaction, that alone told me, oh, this is no good and this is going to be amazing. (laughs) So I immediately Googled everything about Heather Weber and I read all this stuff and you guys addressed it. And I was like, then I felt like I had a clear picture and I didn't see the original Heather Weber. So I have no one to compare it to. But this one, I mean, I thought she chewed that scenery like it was a job and it was great. Like her, and then her and Ryan Chamberlain together, and her and Esme, and I'm like, this, this is exactly what soap operas are meant to do. Yes, yeah, yes. Heather's yeah. the best character that embodies all the bad of soap operas and all the crazy. And then, but- yet, you still kind of like her a little bit because she is so <laughs> off the rails. Right. Um, but like another character that appeared that was out of nowhere for me was when um, Harmony appeared. Uh, I think it was around a holiday and, and Willow answered the door and she's like, oh, and it was Harmony showing up. So I love when they bring back some of the, you know, older, old characters that have gone away and now come back. And like I said, I'm waiting for Lulu because I only got to see a little bit of Lulu for a couple months before she got written off. So yeah. I'm waiting for that to happen any day now. Yeah, it needs to happen now that Dante is in a solid relationship. It's time to bring her back to blow it all up. Yes. And even um, I love that when Tracy comes back, I'm lo- I love that mm-hmm. because she's such a pot stirrer and makes makes um, everyone nervous, including Brooklyn, which is really fun to watch. Yes. So I can only imagine as an actor what it's like to play opposite someone who, you know, just comes in, you know, tears up the scene, causes all kinds of chaos for five minutes and then leaves with a wake <laughs> of like bodies in her trail. It, it's amazing. And the one liners that she delivers are really <laughs> They're amazing. Whoever writes for see, and this is what we asked. We asked somebody one time because it's not, and maybe you as a writer could answer at least that perspective of this. They have different people writing for the same character. I feel like you should have the same person writing for them because it's they know that they character. Know that character, you know. I mean, they sometimes. The way it was described to me by my friend who wrote it, she said that the turnaround time is so fast and you're given like an episode and you're given an outline and you, she said she literally locks herself away to write this. So you're continuing the story that someone else has told, capturing the voice and everything. Every show has what she called the Bible, which is the entire story of the show and all the characters that you study and study. So she said it's a very intensive, very fast process. So I also found it interesting that they get like maybe one rehearsal and then it's one take and they move on to the next. Cause I come from a theater background where you spend six weeks, eight weeks rehearsing something and then, you know, perform it live. But um, it's interesting that some of these amazing performances are with one rehearsal. 
mm-hmm. you know, with they your used to get more. Do you ever yeah. listen to um, Stephen Bradford's podcast? No. no. I've stopped listening to it as much for absolutely no reason other than I just, I listen to a lot of stuff. Yes. Um, but they talk about that because I guess back in the 90s, they were able to do mm-hmm. more than one take and things like that. But now it's very, very, very uncommon. And I guess that they had a big name as I think I figured out who it was, but they had a big movie star, TV star, um, and they just couldn't get the hang out of it hang of it oh because they're used to doing oh i didn't feel right that take no 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 you've got to get it going and oh wow i want to know how big that bible is though because the office i so i also listen to the office ladies and they reference the show bible all the time for continuity stuff do you imagine how many volumes the general hospital bible i'm sure it's like a yearbook but the size of like two phone books so there's probably like this year and this year and this year because if you think about it, just what's happened since last summer, all the storylines and everything that have gone in and happened, you know, reading through that and trying to catch up. And even, you know, there are times where they'll mention a character name. Um, oh, Olivia Jerome. So I did a deep dive into Olivia Jerome and trying to figure out, okay, how is she related to Ava? And, you know, I love Ava. So um, is she like the evil, uh, you know, if, if Ava's sort of in the middle and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yes, it was exactly what I got when I watched some video clips and I uh, read some things on uh, Olivia Jerome. We forgot to talk about that, too, because Mason brought her up this week. We mentioned it whenever we, we were it talking. At the beginning, yeah. We never actually talked about it. So we're like, oh, we'll talk about that later. It's when, when they mention characters like that or when Lulu's name comes up or like, when, you know, ever so often they'll mention Lois's name. I'm like, mm-hmm. see, I also learned, I also was exposed to a lot of the um, soap opera stars from the 80s and 90s because a lot of them did crossover work into nighttime soaps. So like... Um, uh, who was it? Lisa Rena, I knew from not from uh, Days of Our Lives or anything. Mm-hmm. It was from her work on Melrose Place. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yep, yep. So you would have known Vanessa Marcel from 90210. Exactly. Yep. Yes. And so, like, whenever they mention Brenda's name or you guys bring up Brenda's name, I'm like, oh, that would be a delicious one to come back. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, my and gosh. What the heck was her name on 90210? It is on the tip of my tongue. Ballard? No, Valerie was Tiffany Amber Thiessen, right? Tiffany Amber yeah. And I want to say Rena Sofer was also on Melrose Place, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Was, yes. Yeah. She was, yeah. And I remember loving her on there and then realizing, oh, she was on General Hospital. And a lot of her clips, I love watching, like, when she comes out of the cake and, mm-hmm. you know, really nods back to iconic film moments. Like, that's an iconic reference to um, Singing in the Rain when Debbie Reynolds comes out yeah. of the cake. And I love when they do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and they replicate so things like that. So connect with me when I'm like, that's like this movie. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. I, 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 a lot of times I listen to you guys in the car or on the train going to work. And um, they'll be like, I, I'll hear you say something like that. I'm sitting there nodding, looking probably like an idiot. Like <laughs> sitting there and nodding. I'm like, yep, that's right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I do that a lot. I'm like, I wonder if that was an intentional nod to X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. Like the time um, the, Valentine snapped the necklace, that has to be oh, a tie. A, a pretty woman. Yes. Pretty woman. He was in it. He did it. Like, come on. There's yeah. no way that wasn't. And that was a spontaneous moment in, like you said, in Pretty Woman as well. That wasn't a scripted. So Julia Roberts' reaction was an honest, like, giggle and, you know, la- yep. nervous laugh. Um, I had also written you guys, I think a while ago with a link to the full movie version of, and I have it written down here. 
it was Finola Hughes, John James from Dynasty, and Susan Lucci, 1987's Haunted by Her Past. It was a made-for-TV movie. And, oh, what was it? Susan Lucci played a newlywed, and I think she was married to John James. And she inherits this, like, beautiful old mirror. And she starts seeing the, the vision of this woman in the mirror who is Finola Hughes. And Finola Hughes plays this ghost who begins haunting her and starting to possess her. And what you learn, and I won't give it away, is that she is Susan Lucci is somehow connected to Finola Hughes. So I remember seeing that when I was in like high school and being like, this is exactly my type of movie. Very campy soap opera stars from both daytime and nighttime. Mm -hmm. And the story had this like weird twist to it, which I loved. But Haunted by Her Past from 1987. I just found the email. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> you referenced me once and you're like, somebody, one of our fans sent us a whole movie. I'm like, that would be that, the link. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, we're going to have to watch that. Okay. Absolutely. So I'm snooze that tomorrow so that it pops back up. So I also wanted to give, I, I almost emailed you guys in the fall, but I was hoping that I would eventually get to, to talk to you and meet you about this. So when you do your do, 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 do reality check, um, when I was, I was directing a play in the fall in Philly called um, Agnes of God. And it's a stage version of the movie Agnes of God with Jane Fonda, Meg Tilly and Anne Bancroft from 1985. The play is from like the late seventies. And it's about a nun who is accused of killing a baby that was born to her in a convent that was cloistered. So the question is, was it a miracle that this nun had a baby? And if yes, then why, why is it so hard for us to believe when 2000 years ago, we based an entire religion on that concept. Okay. And it's the idea of religion, modern day, and the idea of miracles. So it's a very heavy topic and it's three women. So I was directing it in Philly with two women that I've worked with before and, and a young lady from um, one of the local colleges. And it was very intense. There were times where the rehearsals would get real intense. And as an actor, I've always, I've learned over the years that you spend hours and days and weeks getting into character, but no one in all of my theatrical training and all of the shows I've ever done have ever prepared you to get out of character. And it's a very difficult thing. Sometimes you spend all this time and you get in the headset of a character to leave it at the door when you go home, especially if it's highly charged emotionally um, it can be a little, it can mess with your mind a little bit. And no one ever talks about that. So I started talking about it when I would direct heavier shows like The Laramie Project, which it's an important show to tell, but it's a very intense topic. So I would do these check-ins with the actors. We would sit around and I would check in with them after the show. And with Agnes of God, I anticipated this because it's about a child dying and a nun being accused of all these things. And so I said to my cast, not knowing that this was the reference, I would say to them, at the end of every rehearsal, we'll set 10 minutes aside for something called reality check. And we'll, we'll check in and tell one good thing that happened today prior to rehearsal. And I said, the purpose of this is to get you out of the rehearsal mindset for those last 10 minutes. And so we would, I would give notes. They would write down the notes and then I would literally sit on the edge of the stage every night and I would say, do, 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 reality check. <laughs> and I would start with one of the actors and we'd move around the room. We'd give something that we'd be grateful for. But that was because of you guys. <laughs> I, I called it reality check. And, um, and it was to help the actors. And it was also to help me to sort of 
ease us out of rehearsal. You're being quoted. Well, thank you. <laughs> that was totally random, but she did that one time. And I was like, oh, I like that. That's cute. And I just yeah. the, the sound bit. <laughs> That's so fun. Yes. Well, what a great tool, though, for you to use, too, to reference something before rehearsal to kind of ground them, to bring them back yeah. to yeah. reality. Um, and to, to let them sort of shed a little bit of what they left behind. And I know for some actors, it's easier. Some actors are able to like take it off like a pair of shoes and leave it at the front door. And some of us, it, it because so much more goes into it um, emotionally and mentally, it becomes a little harder for us to extricate ourselves, especially as you get closer to performances and the level is getting hyped up with every rehearsal. Um, and which is also a, a, something I love when you interview uh, actors from the show like um ms wu um lydia is it lydia look yes we are best friends now i mean i could listen again i echo your sentiment i could listen to her read the phone book from start the dictionary or an entire set of encyclopedias from start to end mm -hmm. and she's just it seems like a everyone you have on they're so insightful and they're so passionate not just about what they're doing but their their take on things because you know it's very easy to write off soap operas as you know silly or what have you but what they don't realize is that the people behind it all this has to come from somewhere so there has to be some sort of life experience or knowledge or or a combination that creates the stories but also fuels the creative teams you know behind the scenes yeah and there's a lot of characters that so like sunny's bipolar is based on maurice bernard's real life mm -hmm. experience and they've done a really good job of bringing in some of these people's real life experiences and mm -hmm. so the interview went so long and we had so many things that we talked about we actually needed to break it up into a two-parter which we've had to do with several other interviews that we've had so tune in next week tune in tune in <laughs> tune in next week now i feel like i'm doing the guiding light thing. right <laughs> as we continue our conversation with Rob. And join us on Monday as we recap this week's shows. Have a good weekend. And we'll meet you at the pier. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to go to pier54podcast.com to subscribe on your favorite platform. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on many social media channels. Just search for Pier54Podcast. Also, we are not perfect, so if there is something that we missed or messed up, just let us know by emailing us at peer54podcast at gmail.com. 